Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to Cutting the Distance Field Reports, breaking news from the Elkwoods. And now, your host, Jason Phelps. Welcome to Cutting the Distance Field Report here. I uh, just got done hunting Idaho with Garrett Bowen of Top Priority. Unfortunately, he had to run back uh, home real quick for some work and then get ready for another hunt. So I'm just going to kind of wrap up what we saw here in Idaho uh, myself. So we started the hunt on September 21st. Uh, bulls were bugling. Uh, one thing we did notice right out of the gate is that these bulls weren't necessarily locating from across canyons or they weren't locating um, from long distances. So as we kind of developed the strategy, we would hear them bugle, but they were bugling, uh, I would say, kind of lackluster, uh, a little bit on their own, um, weren't necessarily interested in responding um, to location bugles, to cow calls, um, anything like that. So we realized early on we were going to have to definitely, you know, no pun intended, cut the distance, get very, very close um, in order for them to respond to our bugles. But what we did find, which was a little surprising, is when we did cut the distance to, you know, under 300 yards, the bulls were very callable. Um, so that's kind of the, the quick summary of the hunt. So on day one, you know, right out of the gate, we we climbed some distance. Um, one thing about these Idaho bulls, they any any stand of dark timber um, surrounded by quakies uh, seemed to hold elk. So that that wasn't necessarily a problem. Uh, maybe not in large numbers, but we were always able to to be an elk every morning and every evening. Uh, the frustrating part was then getting them to do what we wanted to do. So back to opening morning, we climb up. We don't hear a lot opening morning. We we're on the south side uh, of a ridge, climb up. And as soon as we drop over the north side, we get there about 830. Um, the canyon's lighting up. Um, we've got uh, what we assume to be the herd bowl straight across from us. And we're, and we're assuming herd bowl only because of um, you know, the, the size of the bugle, uh, the rasp, the depth, all of those things. 
we he beagles three or four times on his own. We haven't even made a, a call to this point. And, and while we're making our approach based on the wind, we're trying to get down and under him um, so we can get across. Uh, another bull beagles at 150 yards down the ridge. Um, we, we've got good enough wind on him that he won't wind us. Set up to start cow calling. We set Garrett up uh, you know, 50, 60 yards ahead of me. Start the cow call. Just like so many times on this trip, never to hear... Uh, the elk again and uh, as I had mentioned earlier we had multiple bulls going in this area uh, you know a satellite near the herd bull plus this bull that bugled on our side of the ridge um, once we cow called we didn't hear any more elk from that point on we didn't hear the elk within 150 yards of us we didn't hear the elk across the canyon from us we didn't hear the, the satellite across the canyon from us so a little bit of a frustrating start to, to how are we going to approach these elk so we, you kind of go back to the drawing board and, and to piggyback onto Oregon, you know, I'm really starting to question, is our system going to work? Are we going to locate elk? Are we going to get close? Are we going to cow call or bugle them in? Um, or are we going to have to continue to, to just spot and stalk and, and move in on these things? And it's, that's not the, the why. It's not the reason why I'm out there um, in September. I want to call to bugling bulls that are interested in being tricked. So, um, I may have or may not have uh, forgotten my elk tag um, in my office desk. You know, so Garrett hunted that first day. We jumped off the mountain, drove back into town, got that all taken care of. Um, kind of sacrificed uh, a night to just scouting. Um, you know, where are the elk going to be? Where? What should we do? And so we made the decision. Uh, you know, after looking at Onyx, um, we're gonna we're gonna go in for for two days. Or, or three days and two nights, we're going to spike in. Um, so that next morning, you know, we all loaded up. We take off at the trail at five. We get up there. Once again, we can hear bugles as we're hiking up the trail through some great elk country, but nothing, you know, you hear a bugle, you stop and listen for it to bugle again, and we would wait, and we wouldn't hear a second or a third bugle. Um, and, and you kind of start to lose confidence or faith in that bugle, and so we would leave it and move up and so by the time we finally get to where we want to set spike camp, we drop our camp, and we've had a bull bugle across the drainage uh, a couple times, and, and we decide it's close enough to go after. So we we you know jump in on that one, and and this is kind of where it all all starts to come together. Is as we got close, this bull is very very callable, very very interactive, and so it kind of at that point had set the stage for all right. These bulls are at least callable, um, and, and and you know so we just learned at that point. The, these elk are going to be workable. Um, we just have to get close. So to fast forward, another thing, kind of an underlying theme of this whole hunt or, you know, back-to-back days is, is it gets closer to the end of September. Um, we expect the rut to start to pick up. Um, and, and we would get a day, you know, we would get a day that was extremely um, good. You know, multiple bulls calling on their own, um, responsive to calls. And, and for one reason or another, um, we could or couldn't, you know, we, we weren't able to make it work, but then we would show up in the same area, put all of those eggs in the basket, um, on the next day. And for one reason or another, the, the area was dead, even though we could still, you know, spot the elk with our, with our binos, or we would get enough responses, um, you know, throughout the day that we knew the elk were still there. They just weren't anything like they were the day before. Um, and, and you know, me wanting to break that down and understand why, I believe a lot of it is, um, you know, cows in the area, whether they're coming into estrus versus maybe they uh, were taken care of or, you know, maybe that that bull had pushed her off. Um, I don't know what the reason is, but it was definitely 
um, you know, kind of very cyclical and, and very quick. You know, you wouldn't expect it to be on fire one day and dead the next day and then back on fire. Um, so it was very frustrating to, you know, maybe go in with certain expectations. Um, but but it's hunting. It's elk hunting. Um, we've learned to to just accept that, you know, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty when it comes to elk hunting. And, and you just had to deal with it. You still had to work hard. We still had to, um, you know, Go find the elk, and, and, and once you did get close, they, they were definitely playable. One thing, um, you know, on, on some call-ins that is very, very hard for somebody that's elk calling, and and I definitely had to, to test my patience a little bit more, is in some of these timber patches, you can see a long ways, and we would get bulls pretty fired up, you know, answering bugles, um, answering cow calls, or the combination thereof, and, and getting that bull worked up. And, and, you know, stomping on his beagles, mimicking him, making sure that, that, you know, we're kind of setting the tempo. And then these bulls, when they got to 100 yards, would come in silent, um, which makes it very, very difficult, especially as we're trying to break brush. Um, we're trying to, you know, fake fake raking a tree, um, you know, do some of those things that, that requires us to move. Um, and, and then the bull to come in silent was a little bit difficult. And so we had kind of you know, we were setting the the shooter up a little bit further, you know, 50, 60 yards in front of whoever was calling and doing the raking just so it would kind of, um, you know, we would avoid drawing any attention to the shooter. But even then, there were multiple times where as, as the raker and caller, I could see that bull playing his day and I would have to almost freeze, um, which I think can be a little confusing to an elk. You know, you've been raking and calling from a certain location for for a set amount of time and then all of a sudden you have to go completely you know silent and that is due to one um you know you don't want to be seen and number two that bull can now see where he expects that bull or cow to be and and things just don't add up so um i think that could have been a little bit of a detriment um you know i would have loved to set up in different locations or or different um you know spots so that we could have prevented that that visual um you know, visual location, uh, you know, visual identity from that bull to where he expects a cow or bull to be. But um, some of these, you know, big, big timbered slopes, the elk are where they are and you have to make do with what you can. But ideally we would have set up, you know, near terrain breaks, near vegetation breaks where we would have forced that bull to pull through and then be at, at an archery range. So um, yeah, silent bulls are, are very tough to deal with, especially when we're making decisions um, on that. And then, um, the other thing we struggled with a lot, which you know we I, I've experienced more so in the Mexico where it gets very very hot during the middle of the day. It was very hot in Idaho um, this past week, and so what we're getting is some good action from maybe you know seven to nine in the morning, and then the elk are in bed. There, you know, you could tell when those bulls were on their feet bugling versus when they were now in their bed bugling. You know, by by nine fifteen nine thirty, which makes it very difficult to hunt. You now. Um, you know, having to get within, you know, shooting distance of their bed. You've got multiple eyes looking at you. Even if it's satellite bowls, you know, there's noise, there's brush, very, very dry, um, tough to stalk in without everything looking at you. Um, added some level of difficulty uh, to this hunt. The other thing that we experienced on this hunt, which really kind of played out towards the end of the hunt, is the high country in this unit was very, very dry. Um, you know, what I would consider main creeks and main draws coming out of the high country were completely void of water, um, which, you know, my normal thinking is if an elk can't, if I can't live here, an elk's going to have trouble living here. You know, we weren't able to find wallows. We went and looked at springs. 
you know, some of these things, we just weren't coming up with any way for these things to drink. What we noticed is that these elk were coming, you know, three to four miles down the water. Um, they would water at night and then in the morning they would reverse that and it would be like a chase back up to the bedding. Um, so after a couple days of, of doing that, um, you know, at nighttime they would get out of bed, they would hang up on the mountain, they would do their feeding. But in the morning, if you wanted to chase these elk, it was more of a cat and mouse game as they went three to four miles back to where they wanted to bed. Um, so I think if we would have figured that out earlier and, and identified that we could have intercepted them, you know, further up the mountain, but you know, the, these elk are good at climbing mountains, you know, they're, they're, they're climbing, you know, 1500 to, to 2000 feet, um, every morning and, and it's a definite chase and it's a definite, um, you know, we've always got the wind in our favor. These elk are, are working into the wind. They're walking into the wind, but we're also chasing them. Um, so it, it's just kind of that cat and mouse game that can get very, very difficult. Like I said, I if we could have identified that earlier, maybe went back to spiking out above them and intercepted them, it, it would have been a better play. Now, there would always be the issue of as they're walking up the hill in the morning, how do we keep our wind off to the side and make sure we don't, you know, get winded? But um, that's something we could have definitely dealt with, with, you know, just staying far enough off to the side or, or figuring out a right ridge to, to kind of intercept them. So, yeah, I, I think, in my opinion, um, the rut is just starting to kick in. It's it's late September right now. Um, things are just starting to get cranking there, and I think they're going to, in Idaho, they're going to experience a, a, a better rut into the, the first part of October. And, uh, you know, one thing, I'm never one to say, oh, the rut's super late or use that as an excuse to to justify, you know, maybe, maybe a hunting season that didn't go as I planned, but, I'm pretty confident that over the last four or five years um, with, with some of the later springs, some of the later winters and everything being set back, I am starting to, to maybe, you know, come to terms with or, or settle on the, the idea that the, the rut is getting a little bit later. Um, you know, at least over the last four or five years, um, you know, where we used to experience, you know, great rut action starting September 10th on. And, and there are spots in the country um, you know, where the rut is on fire by September 10th. So like I said, I, I just feel like the the overall consensus is that it's moving back a little bit um, where we're getting a real, real strong peak of the rut, you know, September 30th to October 10th versus, you know, or some of the areas I've hunted being, you know, September 20th to 30th. So it's, it's a very, very small reset. But from what I've seen in Idaho, um, the rut is just getting going. It's, it's more consistent, you know, day to day is more action. And, uh, yeah, I think the rut's going to be strong into the middle of October this year. But that's kind of our field report from Idaho. Um, it was a it was a good hunt. It had a lot of action. Um, quite a few bulls in at close range. So, uh, yeah, overall a good hunt in Idaho. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you tuning in to Cutting the Distance. Hopefully wherever you're at, the elk rut was going good and, and, and you found some success. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. 
Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to Land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.